2: It's the most wonderful time of the year. What's up, the Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by MGM. This is the college football bowl betting preview part one. I'm Stucky and joining me as always is Colin Wilson. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You ready to
3: uh, get into it? <laughs> I'm a little tentative after today, right? So you fade Western Kentucky because they lose their quarterback. They've got nothing there. And then I'm back out of the portal. I'm back on the team, right? I mean, your handicap is shit. Now you got to redo everything, your pools, your bets. Like, it's the same thing with Grayson McCall, right, Stuck? It's like, I'm going in the portal after the bowl game, right? I mean, this is it's been a yo-yo. This It's been a lot of fun, but, man, this has been crazy with the portal.
2: And it's not done now. It's every hour from the time, you know, the season ended for each of these teams all the way up, right until kickoff, right? Some of these teams, you won't know that they have eight guys sitting out until the announcers are like, well, down to John on the sidelines is going to tell us why Western Kentucky is missing 13 starters today. So then you, you also have the, the added wrench of like it, illnesses going around everywhere. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's I love this time of year. Yeah, and you have to just accept a couple things. Like, number one, when betting bowls, and I'm, I'm curious to just get your thoughts before we get into the games here. We're going to cover 11 games, by the way. We're going to cover the games that are on Friday, Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday. This is part one of the bowl Previous part two. We will record... This weekend, that'll be out on Monday. We'll cover 10 more bowls, and then we'll we'll record part three before Christmas. That'll come out on the day after Christmas. 11 more bowls, then part four, nine more. We'll record that on the 27th. That'll come out on the 28th. Yeah, busy schedule here. We're going to have tons of episodes coming at you. But when betting bowls, I mean, for me, it's really a, a payoff of watching and, and sweating all of these teams all year because it's way more than just science. And like having a handle on motivation, which comes into it, getting a handle on who's playing is always a constant struggle. But understanding the matchups and then having your numbers refined by this point and knowing matchups. So it's it's way more than just science at this point, and it's a lot of art. But you also have to accept that you just have to accept this that you're you're going to be. Way wrong on some bowls and way right on some. I remember last year I had Toledo. I to had a really good bowl season last year. And I got – this always happens in the first bowl. If you get the first bowl wrong and you have like a big following, oh, look out on, on uh, social media. So I had Toledo. was my first bet in the Bahamas Bowl. We'll get to the Bahamas Bowl shortly. And they just didn't show up. That's going to happen. A lot of this comes down to motivation. A lot of this comes down to – you know, if you're going to get lucky sometimes with player availability, sometimes you're not, you just have to accept it and it's fun and teams are going to play loose and there's going to be a lot of high variance plays and more fourth downs. And so just accept that you're going to be way wrong on some bowls and then you're going to look like a genius on others. But have fun with it. We have a, a month, you know, a little less than a month's worth of college football to get to.
1: If you hate bowl games, go listen to NPR.
3: Yeah, I'm glad we're stopping to, uh, before we get into everything, to give everybody a little bit of betting advice and, you know, uh, brush yourselves up. Stuck's right. We're going to have embarrassing losses. We're going to have games that make us look like geniuses. And I think if there's one thing I can talk about is I love to live bet. And you guys will see it in the action app from both Stuck and I. Live bets will come in when we've established a position and we get maybe two scores going our way. We have the option to come in and buy the other side. And hey, we're free riding, only got to pay the juice. That's completely different in bowl season for me. There are teams that show up and they are dead on arrival. And once they get down by 14, it's maybe not the best bet to go in and try to back them. There are teams that are going to show up and they are not going to recover. They didn't want to be there. Maybe it's, you know, everybody's in cold weather, like San Jose State's going to play in, what, 20-degree weather up in Boise. Uh, You know, I mean, maybe there's a lot of reasons they just get off the bus and they're not there. And I think from a live betting perspective, you need to see proof of life before you hit the other side. So uh, I've seen enough bowls to know that sometimes teams just show up and they never get off the bus, and no live bet is ever going to cash. On as Stuggy would say, they are corpses.
2: I remember that Toledo game. You could see on the sidelines there was no life, there was no enthusiasm. Players were just going through the motions. Yeah, a lot of times you see it like after a big defensive hit, or it's just sometimes it's just not there. I mean, he's ultimately our exhibition games, and then some teams inevitably are going to care a lot more than others, the Yukons of the world. So yeah, always keep that in mind. I also be remiss if I didn't mention the GOAT, RIP Mike Leach, probably my favorite coach of all time. I, I never get like upset when, like celebrities. I'm always like, but people, people, but Leach, that got me. I love Leach, always a big part of this podcast. And he's kind of like an idol of mine in that he obviously revolutionized football forever and one of the most important minds in college football and then which led into pros over the past forever ever. um and but he was also never took himself too seriously you know I, I always admired that like key west spirit and brilliant football mind mixed first of all what kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have we got to consider that The kugel find a way clear-minded and crafty, a combination of stay out of harm's way and, and attack when you get your uh, openings. I hope one day uh, to ever achieve as much success as he did while also maintaining, you know, a a lighthearted side and not taking life too seriously. So RIP Mike Leach and uh, thoughts are with any family and friends that are close to him, Uh, but the college football world will certainly miss him.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That was, um, I went to sec media days for the first time this year and a little bit nervous about Nick Saban. I didn't want to become a meme with some sort of stupid question. i would get torn up, but talking to Mike Leach when he's behind a microphone or behind a podium and just like maybe off camera is the easiest thing in the world to do. I have never met another human being that I didn't know that seemed to be more likable as a person. I mean, just it, it was it was one of those people where you could have a, a five hour conversation and you would come away smarter every single time and uh, rest in peace, horrible situation. And as you know, somebody that's had uh, I know a lot of people don't know my avatar is uh, a Royals hat because it belonged to my uncle and he, and he died of uh, um uh, pulmonary embolism, like immediately 42 years old is gone and uh, it sucks and it stinks. And yeah, uh, you cherish the time that you had with those people. And I cherish every moment that we've had Michael Leach, in college football. So rest in peace, coach Leach. Glad that he found a home and he ended up moving
2: to Key West. There was no one, I think everyone in this world has a place where they would fit most. Most people never find that where they would fit most living wise. And he, I think found his spot in Key West and he, he dealt with pneumonia all season and just wouldn't yep. stop coaching just because his love of the game. And at least uh, he went out doing what he loves most. Uh, So, yeah, RIP Mike Leach. No easy way to transition that, but let's get into the first of 11 bowl games that we'll cover today. Let's start on Friday, December 16th in the Bahamas.
1: The Bahamas Bowl. Let's
2: go to Nassau for the Bahamas Bowl. 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. This game tends to be, there's some wild memories of... Bad beats and crazy games. And sometimes there's a lot of wind. And this game's 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Miami, Ohio takes on UAB, UAB. 11, 10 and a half, 11 point favorite here over under sitting at 44 and a half. Uh, I'll share my quick thoughts. One, I'm looking to fade the Mac in general. I thought it was a, a down year for the Mac overall. And I think they might. This might be one of the years that they struggle in bowl games. Now that's very matchup and motivation dependent, but it was just kind of an overarching thought that I had going into bowl season. That said, I'm not really in love with laying double digits in bowl games, especially early on in these meaningless ones. Been a unprofitable proposition historically. About forty percent against the spread in those double digit favorites going back thirty years in meaningless bowls. And if you strip away the college football playoff and Championships. If you just bet every money line underdog that's a double digit dog in bowl season, I mean, a, a thousand, a hundred dollar better would be up about, I think, three thousand dollars since 2005, ROI about 38%. Cause a lot of times it's just okay. The big, there's a lot more variance. Big favor doesn't show up as we talked about, and they go down. But I just, I, I can't get behind my vial here. I think it's UAB or nothing. I think UAB is a bit undervalued still because they had to play a bunch of games without Dylan Hopkins. They also went 0-5 in one-possession games, three of those in which Jacob Zeno started. Conversely, Miami of Ohio had four one-possession wins all against non-bowl teams just to get to six wins. And their other two wins came against Robert Morris and Akron. So it wasn't the best resume you'll ever see. Their star quarterback, Brett Gabbard, is out and they haven't been able to run the ball all year. Now, their backup quarterback is mobile. He's going to have to run here because you can't really throw on UAB. You have to attack them on the ground. But I'm not sure that Miami Ohio, is that team that can do that against UAB. My Ohio, is one of the most anemic rushing attacks in the country. Yeah, I mean, my Ohio's run defense is better than their pass defense, but Dwayne McBride and company, one of two offenses that average over six yards per carry this year, I think he'll do enough on the ground to set up some explosive passes that Hopkins can hit. Yeah, I think it's UAB or nothing. I think that, you know, they do have an interim coach. They hired Trent Dilfer, but it's a veteran group. They fought hard down the stretch to get to bowl eligibility. So, yeah, I'm leaning UAB here. Pools, I would go all UAB if you just need to pick a straight-up winner. Maybe a nice money line parlay piece, but maybe you'll make a case for the Redhawks here. What do you say?
3: The number is a little bit too high. We start our handicap with the power rating, but then we work our way into it. So to say that, the number should be about nine and a half and not 11. So if you can gut it and just take it blindly, you would. Both these teams should be highly motivated coming in. Chuck Martin's in his third bowl game. Uh, you know, he he won the Frisco Bowl with Miami of Ohio last year. Teams amped about not just getting to a bowl, but going to a warm vacation destination. And Stuck mentioned Trent Dilfer, but there's a lot of things going on internally there. These players wanted Bryant Vincent, the interim coach, the offensive coordinator, who's been there since Bill Clark revamped the program, came back from the dead. Uh, the players wrote letters to the administration. They wanted Bryant Vincent to be the head coach. They didn't listen. They went with Trent Dilfer. And now you have Trent Dilfer coming out in in the press, and he's like, I'm running coffee for the coaches. I'm picking up pads for the players. I'm doing everything I can to help this program secure a bowl of victory. So I don't think there's any drama there, but the players really want to play for Brian Vincent here. Uh, it'll be the last time that, that they'll get to play underneath him. And so you think that this is a highly motivated spot for UAB, and Stuck is right. You can't really pay attention to the Blazers' numbers because they were without their – you know, star quarterback Dylan Hopkins for a few games, or we had to suffer through Zeno and turnovers. Uh, But the problem with UAB is their defense has struggled this year with dual threat quarterbacks. Jaden Daniels went for 111 on the ground. Frank Harris at UTSA had 35 on the ground. Those were escaping in third downs, but more importantly, Liberty, Caden Salter went for 79 a touchdown back in week two on this UAB defense. It's just been a problem all season. And Avion Smith is the dual threat quarterback that's going to get the start here for Miami. And he's going to get a couple extra first downs. He's going to extend third Mm -hmm. down. So that is something I would be looking for. The question is, can the Miami-Ohio defense, you you really don't want to bet on a MAC defense, but can they stop Dwayne McBride? Probably not. Miami-Ohio is... Uh, top 10 defensive and opponent rush explosiveness. Thanks to Matt. Uh, thanks to linebacker, Matthew Salopik. Sol- the 15 mile an hour wins is why this total is down. Should be about 47, but the numbers down to 43 and a half, not much of a passing game coming from out of these two teams. So, you know, UAB never covered away from home this year. That's in the back of my mind. Like they're going to be motivated. They have the statistical advantage and uh, they never covered away from home and they have trouble with dual threat quarterback. So I'm back and forth on this in a pool like if you had to pick a team uh with the spread I would take Miami of Ohio I still might take them uh if you're in a straight up pool I agree with stuck you're taking UAB and laying some points like we did in the confidence pool piece uh but I think Miami double digits is the play uh probably going to be worth roll we'll pull roll back the rubber band and throw a throw 100 at it but uh, uh Miami of Ohio would be would be the play for me
2: yeah Miami of Ohio is also they're going to be missing a couple offensive linemen who hit the transfer portal which is worth noting But you're right, they did struggle with mobile quarterbacks, which could be the best path for my offense. And, you know, double digits is tempting with a total this low. I will say that I don't really get involved in unders, or I try not to. I have a bit. But unders that are under 45 or, you know, 45 or lower, it's tough in bowl season. I mean, historically, if you just bet every over that was 45 or below, you're at about 57% in bowl season. And I think the reason for that is that sometimes the number might be right based on the team's profiles, but this is a bowl. Like a lot of times teams will play a lot looser in a meaningless bowl. So you'll have, you know, more fourth downs. They'll just they'll do, you know, you'll see some trick plays. Why, why not just throw everything in the kitchen sink out there, which is why it's tough, I think, to go under on these totals that are below 45 all right, let's move on to our second game. The Cure Bowl. Let's go to the Cure Bowl, 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Orlando, Florida, UTSA taking on Troy. Troy is a two-ish point favorite here. I cannot wait for this bowl game. When this matchup first came out, I said, wow, this is this is a great matchup. This is like, reminds me of when uh, the March Madness bracket comes out and you say, wow, what a first round matchup because this is one of the best, totals fits in at 55 and a half, by the way, one of the best group of five offenses in UTSA led by Frank Harris and a really good wide receiver room against one of the best group of five defenses in Troy led by Carlton Marshall who has the all-time FPS record for career tackles.
3: Yeah, uh, got yeah, him in our thinking.
2: Action Network All-American team kind of a reward for his entire career as m- most tackles in FBS history. Uh, he's a really fun player to watch. Troy has a really good secondary as well. I sided with the better defense here in Troy. Their offense also came on to end the year. I'm also still not a believer in this UTSA defense. They can be really exploited through the air, especially with a short passing attack, which is where Troy thrives. Troy can't really run the ball, but that's UTSA's strength. Their run defense, I think Troy's going to come out here, a lot of short passes with Gunnar Watson, and they'll be able to move the ball. And I think Troy's defense will step up here. And look, UTSA is not fully healthy. They lost a pair of their tackles, their offensive tackles for the season. They lost their wide receiver to Corian Clark. Uh, They also lost their defensive tackle, Brandon Matterson, and and starting safety, Rashad Wisdom is a really good player for the season. We'll see if uh, Brennan Brady, their starting running back, is healthy, in addition to tight end Gavin Sharp. They could get Traylon Smith when he, he used to be on Arkansas running back back from an injury, but they are much more beat up. And if you look at UTSA's schedule, one of the things that I noticed, and this applies to UAB as well, like there was no good defenses in conference USA. I go across the board. The only good defense that Troy faced all that UTSA faced all year was Texas, you know, and they had they averaged three yards per rush and six yards per pass, and they lost by three touchdowns. But they didn't face a, this is a big step up in class for them. So I sided with Troy here. Metrics also suggest Troy's pretty unlucky on late downs on both sides of the ball, which tend to be a little less predictive than early downs. And uh, they're the much healthier team. So yeah, it's not the most flashiest offense at Troy, but I think their defense will be the difference. This is a Troy team that just the market I don't think is giving enough respect to. This is a team that without a hail mary. By app state in week two, they run the table after losing to Ole Miss. UTSA also finished eleven and two, ran their ran the table in conference play. But this is a team that had a number of one possession wins, a few in the final seconds. I think Troy gets it done. I'm rolling with Troy here. What do you got?
3: You're not going to go up against each other. Uh, All right. I, I mean, the game should be a pick first right. battle of bowl season. Yeah, first battle of bowl season. I'm going to go with meet me pair, but uh I I the the numbers should be a pick and the total should be about 59. But when you throw in uh you know Troy's defense, you can certainly make a case to where if they win this game, they're going to get a lot of stops. First ever meeting between these two teams. Easily the showcase is the UTSA offense against the Troy defense. And I think Frank Harris announcing that he'll be back for UTSA next season. Uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that was huge, uh, you know, for Roadrunner Nation to come up with all that donor money to keep him. Uh, that, that was uh, impressive for them. And, and, you know, and they ponied up the money last year for Jeff Trailer. Uh, and now he loses his offensive coordinator, Will Stein. He, he's moved on to Oregon. Jeff Trailer promoted from within. Justin Burke was been an analyst for a couple of years. He special teams. I think this year he gets moved on up to offensive coordinator. Not sure. If Barry Lunny <laughs> Jr. is Still hanging around there. My old high school quarterback I used to play against, uh, but uh, he, he's still in there. But, you know, Trailer is offensive-minded. He That's what he was. He was a running backs coach at Arkansas and SMU. Uh, he's likely going to call the plays. But he is 0-2 in bowls. And UTSA is a program is 0-3 in bowls. So both of these teams should be highly motivated here. Um, I, I think, you know, we can talk about Gunnar Watson. Uh, you know, he's got his weapons and Ray J. Johnson and, and Kamani Vidal on the ground. Uh, but the handicap really, to me, comes on the other side. I'm not really worried about Troy putting it up on the UTSA defense. I think that is pretty much a wash. And when you break down the Troy defense, we said this before in the Sun Belt Championship, they are elite in defending the pass. Where they are not elite is defending the rush. And, you know, Troy's the bottom half of FBS defensively in line yards and stuff rate. And if UTSA decides to run the ball and Frank Harris decides to get mobile... That's going to be a problem. And running back Kevorian Barnes, he's had a season I 28 carries, 170 yards against North Texas in the, in the CUSA championship game. And Frank Harris himself had 278 yards on designed runs with six explosives. I mean – uh, that's on the season, but I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a potent ground attack. Everybody thinks of the air, but it's a potent ground attack. And the question is, can UTSA run on Troy? Troy allowed Ole Miss to go 5.8 per carry app state went 4.6. Uh, you know, those were the two losses that Troy had. They needed 16 points in the fourth quarter to beat ULL. ULL averaged 4.6 per rush. And and, and Ben Muldridge, the quarterback, he had two rushing TDs. That's something that Frank Harris can completely expose. So I, I'm on UTSA. You and know, I will be against each other. Um, I would play at 1-2. I'd play pick.
2: Yeah, the, uh, Frank Harris's legs are definitely a concern of mine. But this is a game where you can uh, – I can see logical – you just made a logical case. For, you can make a logical case for either side on which you yeah. value more, the Troy defense or the UTSA offense. Because literally, Troy run defense has some issues. But overall, this Troy defense is one of the best at the group of five level. And the UTSA offense is one of the best at the group of five level. So it should be – One hell of a matchup. All right, so let's move on. So it's got a little appetizer, little, you know, shrimp cocktail on Friday. And then we really get into it on Saturday with six bowl games. Let's kick things off with the first game. We're going to go pre-noon Eastern again, 11 a.m. Eastern on ESPN in Boston, Massachusetts.
1: The Fenway Bowl. The world needs
3: plenty of bartenders. The Fenway Bowl. We're really going to try mess. to handicap this. All right, here Cincinnati, we
2: go. Cincinnati, Louisville. Louisville's a one and a half, find a one out there, point favorite. Um, I call this the mirror bowl, not the Fenway bowl, because these two teams are like exactly the same. They both have a backup quarterback. They both have an interim coach. They both have a key receiver out. They both have a key defensive back out. They both have sh- you know, can't run the ball. Both defenses are really good against the pass, really good against Get getting after opposing quarterbacks. Their defenses are a little vulnerable against the run, but not sure that matters here. Louisville also has their starting, uh, running back out since he has their, their start tight end out. So, you know, these are former Big East rivals. It's the keg of nails rivalry. They'll meet for the first time since 2013. That Not only did these two teams profile so similarly, it's they're going to be on the same sideline. Like I- the, the same sideline. And Scott Satterfield went from Louisville to Cincinnati. But he's not – apparently he's not going to be involved in bowl preparation. Gad, you want to jump in?
3: Yeah, I just want to give you one more thing for the mirror bowl. You ready? These two teams are 123rd and 122nd in penalties. But <laughs>
2: two very heavily penalized teams. Like, it, whoever since he was playing, I thought they were going to be a potential corpse. And then I was going to mention that in my uh, – in our previews that their penalties have killed them all year. Well, same thing with Louisville. So uh, – When it, so it's like, all right, one thing Louisville has. So can Louisville run the ball? I don't know. They won't have Malik Cunningham. They won't have Tyon Evans. They don't have their best receiver either. I don't think since he's going to be able to run the ball, they have Evan Prater. Louisville's done a really good job against read option. Saw that weight game against mobile quarterbacks this year. So I don't know if when, when in doubt in a game like this, maybe it comes down to motivation, in which case I would give the edge to Louisville I think that they're going to want to beat the team where Satterfield went to. I also am not sure since he's going to be up for this game, they really think, you know, fickle left them. They put their last game of the year. They lost at home with a chance to go to the conference championship. And this is a team that was in the World playoff last year. And now they're in the Fenway bowl. So I guess from a motivational standpoint, I'd give the edge to Louisville, which is where I might go really tricky game. The handicapped though. I, apparently, Satterfield's not involved in the preparation at all, and Come he's on. going recruiting. But he's going to be giving—you got to think—he's going to be involved in uh, from afar. So, uh, yeah, both teams going to be the same sidelines. The way that Fenway is configured for this game uh, makes some sense of this. I might throw some change on Louisville just for fun. Yeah, this is not a game you hammer.
3: Yeah, I believe this one uh, caught a bowl confidence pool number of like two, three, four. It was it was way down there. But uh, I mean, you did a good job set it all up. I mean, I just you can't get over like how much these teams look like each other right now. And uh, I think you come down. I think let's start with the quarterback. So if you go, you know, Cincinnati's Evan Prater versus Louisville Brock uh, Demand. You know, uh, you know, for Louisville, Brock Doman started the final two games for the Cardinals, and on the season, he has twice as many turnover-worthy plays as big-time throws—a four-to-eight ratio. He's just like—he's
2: kind of a—to give people who haven't seen him, he's kind of like a, a like the, a Taylor Heineke of college yeah. football. Like he has a pretty strong, but he'll just he'll he'll throw it all over whether it's there's a tight window or not, which can uh, lead to some pretty high variance and a lot of. Turnover worthy plays.
3: It's a good comparison, especially from like a dual threat standpoint, because he only completes not even 50 percent of his passes, but he has designed runs in in his games, but nothing that makes you look at him and say, that's a dual threat quarterback, right? I mean, he's not Malik Cunningham. Yeah, he's not Malik Cunningham. There's a huge difference in tackling here. Cincinnati is 32nd in tackling. They're much better at it than Louisville, who is 122nd. Louisville with a short end of the season statistics, uh, the coverage grading, the standard down success rate, the third down conversions, all of these things favor Cincinnati. So I know that we're missing so many pieces on both sides of the ball. But when you look at the defenses and how they tackle and how they handle third down conversions, it favors Cincinnati. So going to make a pick in a pool, going to make a pick, uh, you know, against the spread. Uh, The Bearcats would be the way I go, but I am not dying on a hill for that. They're on the same sideline. How many fights?
2: Yeah, that it, it should be uh, 11.30 a.m. Eastern in Fenway Park. Of What a game. The essence of bowl season. And a uh, reminder, if you don't bet on a bowl game, did it even happen?
0: Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash BlueWire. That's harrys.com slash BlueWire for a $3 trial set.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's Shopify.com slash special offer.
2: If you don't bet on a bowl, does the bowl even exist?
3: Are you pro or anti baseball park balls? Because we're, we're finally getting the Petco. We're finally getting the Fenway, the COVID thing.
2: I'm pro any 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 venue. I don't care. As long as it's, it's a bowl game being played, they the can play it on the. Play it on the moon. I don't I don't care. As long as there's a line. Let's we'll go to the afternoon. 2.30 Eastern on ESPN.
0: The Las Vegas Bowl. Viva, viva Las
2: Vegas. Florida, Oregon State. Oregon State, 10, 10-ish point favorite over under 53. Yeah, I guess this game is 11.30 a.m. local time. A lot of these morning bowls, which is... Uh, uh, maybe a little rough for Florida, but they've they've had time to adjust. Um, this game is in Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, Nevada. Two thirty Eastern on ESPN. It's the only Power Five matchup on Saturday. The lot lot of things to mention here, um, especially on the Florida side. Well, when I first when I look at this, it's like all right, two really good rushing attacks, two really run heavy teams, uh, with really good offensive lines against defenses that really struggled to stop the run uh, all year. So, and it's on a fast track. Florida's defense was horrible all year. They will be without a number of key pieces. I mean, defensive lineman Jalen Lee, their star linebacker, Ventral Miller, has gone to the NFL, cornerback Avery Helm. And, you know, they dismissed Brenton Cox earlier this season. They also won't have chief borders, David Reese, Lloyd Summerall, who are depth pieces that outside linebacker would have started. So now they're going to have to rely on yeah, a guy like Jack Pyburn, who's like a special teamer to play outside linebacker. Uh, Gervin Dexter is going to be a stud in the NFL. Def- defensive tackle is going to go to the NFL this year. He is going to play at least. But the, you know, Florida also will be without their, you know, second leading receiver, Justin Shorter, their star, um, all-American offensive lineman, Osiris Torrance, although their backup there is pretty good. Their offensive line is really good. And most importantly, they won't have their quarterback, Anthony Richardson and their backup quarterback John Kitna's son was uh, dismissed from the team, arrested on, on child pornography charges. But Jack Miller, who will start, is an Ohio State transfer. He was the backup coming in the air at thumb surgery, so wasn't healthy. Four star kid, uh, so obviously, which I very, highly very highly recruited. So very talented, and he's gonna. He has a really good backfield. You know, Florida excellent rushing attack. And he's going to have a healthier wide receiver quarter, even without shorter available. Thought we'll get a couple wide receivers back from injury, and he will work behind an offensive line that'll give him time, and a defensive line for Oregon State that gets zero pressure, which I think is huge for you know an inexperienced quarterback. Oregon State 128th in passing down sack rate, so you know it's but but there's a lot of uncertainty there with a with a you know a kid who was third string on the depth chart at quarterback a couple weeks ago. This, I think Florida profiles is a potential like, all right, in a bowl pool, if you want to get crazy, maybe you go Florida. Because you could argue they're the more talented team. But it all depends on what you think of Jack Miller. I I also would – I'm also leaning towards the over here. Fast track, two you know, poor run defenses against two teams that can really run the ball. And I think Miller can have some success. He's going to get time to throw. He's got some weapons on the outside. There's a lot of talent on this field. On a fast track in Vegas. Um, what are your thoughts on what Miller will bring to the offense? Because the other question here is like, okay, Florida, they their running attack was so good. I mean, if you look at their backs, ETN and company, they average like six yards a carry, but how much of that will you know? Because Miller doesn't have like the strongest arm in the world, but he is, you know, a really good thrower and should have command of the offense by now. But he doesn't have the running ability of Richardson, obviously. So, how much of like Florida's success and in, in Napier's rushing offense of their backs are because of the threat of Richardson? And how much will that overall decrease? Now, their offensive line does profile really well going against a weak defensive line. Uh, and the same thing on the other side of the ball. Oregon State's offensive line is excellent. They should move the ball at will here. What are your thoughts?
3: with Jack Miller, it's like, you know, committed to Ohio state, no path to playing time. He was highly recruited offers from just about everybody. Uh, He transfers to Florida as a four style pro style uh, recruit. You think that maybe the passing game could be decent here. And I think one thing that you need to know about Jack Miller is that he had a thumb injury this summer and he wasn't even cleared to throw a ball till like a month ago. So, you know, we'll see how he comes out. And that's what kind of leads me to if Florida has a pulse This is a live betting opportunity. And I say that because it's Billy Napier, head coach, a guy that we know, he knows the number, he knows the total, he knows all the numbers when he takes the field. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's this mad rush in the fourth quarter by Billy Napier, even if Oregon State, who is going to try to like grind this like nails. I mean, what are they average? 29.6 seconds per play. Oregon State's going to try to line up, punch you in the face, run the ball, drain clock, first downs but i i agree with you on the over and the reason i agree with you on the over is a billy napier b florida's defense is terrible in passing downs 127th and defensive passing down success rate what does that mean that means that damian martinez for oregon state is going to have huge runs uh he took over starting duties uh after the bye week he averages 3.5 yards after contact he averages nearly three 15 yard plus explosive runs per game And that's just bad news for the Florida defense. So every time Oregon State has an explosive play on the ground, which they will have, you can expect Florida to probably run a little tempo or do whatever they got to do to try to keep up. Now, from a market perspective, you know, I made this game like a field goal. And I knew that once Anthony Richardson was announced out, the thing would steam all the way up. And the question is, is where is the buyback? Well, we found the buyback in the market. Every sharp was circling eleven. Once they got to 11, that thing took massive number back on Florida. So I think that's really your buy point. 10, you're at Oregon State. 11, you're on Florida if you're playing this live. I just don't see Florida and Billy Napier laying down. They never have. Jack Miller may not be warmed up until the second half. I think it is a prime spot for some live betting on the Gators here. It's not the team that I think is going to show up. This is still a first-year coach, and this is still players that are going to be returning for this coach next year. Um, So, you know, there's – the rushing attack for Oregon State, maybe it's a great first half bet on Oregon State with Jack Miller trying to sh- shake some rust off. I think if you don't have any action on this game, I would either go over or I would say Oregon State in the first half. I would be looking Florida in the second half because it's just not like them to give up. It's not like Billy Napier to ever give up in a fourth quarter in any situation whatsoever. So um, the numbers oversold the market though. I don't know if you agree, but I mean, 11 is where the huge buyback was.
2: Yeah, I, w- I would... Lean Florida, and I'm going to put together a round robin uh, bowl season underdog parlay. I might include Florida in there um, because what do you want with a round robin? Um, Now I might go Oregon State in like a pool, like confidence pool, picking them to win. But with a round robin, the upside there's a a lot of uncertainty with Miller, but he's really talented. And then you could argue Florida is the more talented overall roster, Um, and I think that this will be turn into a shootout, but it's, it's a good point with Miller potentially being a little nervous or, or rusty early. And then you can jump in on Florida live. Um, but I do think that the number is too high now um, with the Gators. Both teams, I think, will be motivated. Napier, first year as a coach. Oregon State completely flopped in their bowl last year. So, uh, and I think Jonathan Smith will have them ready. Fast track. I think both offenses have advantages here. So, yeah, I, I, I agree on the over. All right, let's move on to
1: the L.A. Bowl. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I went
3: to college.
2: The Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, another early start. This one, 3.30 Eastern on ABC. But this is 12.30 local time. Is the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I, can't, I still can't believe have a Jimmy Kimmel Bowl in Inglewood, California. Maybe one day I'll get to the, be successful enough to have a Stucky Bowl. I'm trying to think where that would be played.
3: King of Prussia Key Mall, w- is that where you want it?
2: Key West, like a uh, the high, the high school stadium, the Cox Republic. Uh, all right, so Fresno State, three-point favorite here over Washington State, over under 55. I love Fresno State here. Yep. I love them up to three. Uh, I think I took them at, at one. I would play them again at three, take them in pools at three. I think they're still really undervalued in the market after playing half their season without Jake Hayner. Uh, the drop off to his backup is massive. Uh, it's a two star Logan Fife. The Fresno State also made a few schematic changes on defense late in the year. They started run blitzing a lot more, blitzing overall a lot more, and it really paid off. Their defense really improved down the stretch. They still remain a little bit vulnerable against the run, but you don't have to worry about that against Washington State. It's one of the most pass happiest teams in the country with their air raid. And that's the strength of Fresno State's defense, as their secondary. Also, long breaks in between games for air raid offenses have not worked out well in the past for former air raids in bowl season. Plus, Washington State won't have two of its top targets who enter the transfer portal at receiver. They also, on defense, I think they had a really surprising year on defense, better than I expected, but they will be down a number of key starters at linebacker, including first-team All-Pac 12 NFL prospect Dan Henley, they also lost their defensive coordinator, Brian Ward, who went to Arizona State. I think he's extremely underrated and he will be missed here. So, yeah, Oregon State, excuse me, Washington State missing more key pieces at linebacker and receiver. Fresno State, I think, has the better matchup with their passing offense. Two teams that like to throw the ball. And I don't think Washington State is a team that's going to exploit some of the run defense issues at Fresno State. But they did, even like I just said, they even addressed some of those run defense issues late in the year. Go back to that Boise game where their defense was excellent in the Mountain Bus Championship. So I think this is all Fresno.
3: Yeah, 100% in agreement with you. Washington State losing their top two targets, losing their two key linebackers. Defensive coordinator Brian Ward has left the program for Arizona State. By the way, what the hell is happening down at Arizona State where I think DJU is going to end up? Story for next summer. Uh, Jake Dickert, the head coach, he's going to be calling the plays, I think, on defense. He's going to be hands-on for the Cougars. Uh, which isn't a big deal. That's the position that he held uh, when Nick Rolovich was there. So it's nothing new for him, but uh, that will take up a lot of his uh, activity. Now, Jeff Tedford was really happy to draw this bowl. I mean, why wouldn't you be, as Fresno State, getting to go play down in SoFi? Uh, He commented that after playing in Allegiant in Vegas this season, that SoFi was the next desired location. And, um, you know, also on his roster, all these Fresno kids, if you've ever been, by the way, airport code FAT, F-A-T, all these Fresno kids, they all come from Southern California. So uh, SoFi is going to have plenty of Bulldog support in there. So that was a big win for Tedford and the players. And, you know, Cam Ward is a lot of fun to watch. He is a highlight reel. But there is a serious problem with this Washington State offense, and that is they cannot protect the ball from a Havoc Allowed standpoint. This offense for Washington State is is terrible. Washington uh, State is 113th in tackles for loss allowed. 18 fumbles, nearly half of them by quarterback Cam Ward this season. And as for the Wazoo defense, defending the run has just been a problem. Home, road, it doesn't matter. And Jordan Mims is going to have a huge day. He's guaranteed 15 carries. He's guaranteed three explosive runs. It's been his average per game i'd stop buying this at three i think there's gonna be a lot of three and a half show up on the market i would buy a three and a half minus 120 i i would i'd I'd buy the hook down to minus 120 if you're gonna play three and a half i'd play it for less but uh, fresno state is the play here.
2: yeah fresno state if you're ever in you're in fresno you mentioned fat a fat (laughs) tri-tip sandwich that's what they're famous for uh go to doghouse girl catch a game get a tri-tip sandwich but yeah, I agree. It's Fresno here. All right, let's move on to the next bowl on Saturday, the Lending Tree Bowl.
1: The Lending Tree Bowl.
2: Oof, hopefully after bowl season, none of us need to get in touch with a lender. Uh, Rice taking on Southern Miss in Mobile, Alabama. 5.45 p.m. Eastern ESPN. Southern Miss is a six and a half point favorite over under 46. Rice into bowl season with a five and seven record. They got there because of their, there wasn't enough six and six teams and they're, they had the best APR uh, standing, which is looks at like academics and graduation rate. They're playing a postseason game for the first time since 2014. I imagine they'll be fully motivated. And I also think Southern Miss will be motivated. Um, They won their season finale to get to six wins. They're also making their first bowl appearance since the 2019 season. These programs are actually really familiar with each other because they were both in Conference USA from 2005 to 2021 before Southern Miss left for the Sun Belt. They actually played last season. Rice won at home 24-19. Both teams, a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. You never know who's going to line up under center for Southern Miss. It should be low now based on the past month. But you'll get cool. Frank Gore Jr. is a stud back there running Wildcat. He'll throw it too every once in a while. He threw three touchdown passes on just six completions. And I don't think those defense. are designed.
3: I don't think those are yeah. designed. I think he just does it on the fly.
2: <laughs> yeah, someone will just shoot – shoot out on a go route. And uh, they have, they also have a, a really good, sometimes is a really good receiver, but a, a really unsteady passing attack, which might be welcome news for a rice secondary that is very vulnerable. I mean, we all remember club lit beating them 56 to 23 at rice or whatever it was. So maybe the rice defense can hang there. They want to kind of slow the game down, grind it, shorten this, this game. They have questions of quarterback themselves it looks like as of now, your boy uh, T.J. McMahon won't be available. You might. I don't think that's confirmed yet, but he's been hurt. They went five and three with him starting, zero oh, and four when he didn't, including three straight losses to end the season when they scored 34 total points across those three games. Paget only completed 50 percent of his passes in two starts. Doesn't have the running ability that McMahon has. Does have a rocket arm. So we'll have to attack this really aggressive Southern Miss nasty bunch of defense. It's really good in the secondary. We'll have to attack them downfield because they're going to try to get turnovers, but they're also a little vulnerable to explosive plays. I'm just not sure if Rice is the team to exploit them through the air or on the ground. And this one might just come down to turnovers, though. I mean, Rice turns it over more than – had 30 giveaways on the year. Only Northwestern had more of 31. That could prove disastrous against Southern Miss – ball hawking secondary led by uh, star safety, Jay Stanley. So, I mean, if a seven pops in the market, I might get tempted by, you know, rice in a game of the total sitting around 45. I also would lean under, but hate going under and bowl games, especially with all the turnover potential variants here. Southern miss also will throw their fair share of picks. So but this is a tough one. a game that I'm not really looking forward to way down on my confidence rating uh, from from a spread perspective. If I had to say, I mean, it would be the Southern Miss defense will have the best – Southern Miss will have the best unit on the field with their defense, and then maybe it just comes down to Jason Brownlee, their stud receiver, and Frank Gore Jr. is awesome, just breaking enough explosive plays to get this done. Uh, What do you see here?
3: This number is too low. This is a number that makes 7.5. SP Plus makes this 11.5. This number should be higher, and I think it's – we just don't have a really high ticket account. Nobody's really paying attention to this bowl yet, but I just told you about – a bowl game in SoFi that has Cam Ward and how he can't protect the ball. Let me introduce you to Rice football. 30 fumbles this season. 30 fumbles. No one has fumbled the ball more than the Rice Owls this season. And when you're talking about Havoc. 30 fumbles and 30 giveaways. (laughs) It's absolutely unbelievable. Now, we don't know if it's Wiley Green, T.J. McMahon. I mean, there's like four quarterbacks, right? And the injuries were an issue down the stretch, and they did one just one of their five final five games uh, for Rice here. I mean, the team was struggling, and they just kind of APR'd, which is amazing because Rice is a really tough school. They APR'd themselves into this bowl, and you know, you mentioned the nasty bunch of defense, tenth in defensive havoc nationally. That comes from a hundred and two tackles for loss this season. They just fell behind Liberty and Clemson in that area. That means the Southern Miss is going to be in the backfield on every single snap. That is bad news for the Owls who have fumbled 30 times. So don't see an avenue for Rice at six or six and a half or seven. I think it's seven and a half or higher. You're starting to uh, maybe do more gambling, uh, but uh, I, the, the number needs to be higher. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the market.
2: I'm actually starting to agree with you. The more I look at my profiles, especially if Padgett starts, and I'm seeing here, Rice head coach Mike Wundgren confirms Paget is getting the first team quarterback practice reps in preparation for Saturday's lending to your Bowl. TJ McMahon is not practiced this week. And I think McMahon is their best option by far at quarterback because he can bring yeah. uh he can bring a lot with his legs too. Um and they went five and three when he started and like I mentioned, 0 oh and four when he didn't, and well, they just couldn't score down the stretch.
3: That spread that I have at seven and a half, that's that's with McMahon. I mean you put Pageant or Wiley Green back there, it's it's a different story.
2: Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be Pageant. So yeah, I think it's gonna be tough sledding for Rice here, assuming Southern Miss shows up which you know, you know you know you never know it's they're playing rice uh in a bowl game but we didn't uh, look up i'm a big merch. fan i'm a big fan of will hall they haven't been there since 2019 he's trying to get his first bowl win i think we didn't look already. up the
3: merch for this one like do they get a do they get a loan like do they get what do they get
2: <laughs> you get a, a
3: better interest
2: rate all right before we continue as a reminder the big bets on campus podcast is proudly
1: presented by bet mgm so, kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200, and your first wager is risk free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, let's move
2: on to... Uh, the next bowl game.
0: The New Mexico Bowl. Today I'm living like a rich man's son. Tomorrow morning I could be a bum. It doesn't matter which direction, though. I know New Mexico worse comes to worse.
2: More uncertainty at the quarterback position. This is the New Mexico Bowl in Albuquerque, New Mexico. BYU taking on SMU, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. SMU is a five-and-a-half point favorite here, over under 65. This is the first matchup between these teams since the 1980 Holiday Bowl, which BYU fans will refer to as the Miracle Bowl, when Jim McMahon and that explosive BYU offense scored 21 points in the final, 233 against the Pony Express SMU Mustangs to win 46-45. to What a bowl game. Similar to that matchup, this matchup features two really high-powered offenses that can put up points in a hurry against really bad defenses. These are two of the worst defenses in the bowl field. Now, this would be an easy overlook for me if BYU's starting quarterback was playing. It doesn't look like he is. Jaron Hall, their backup quarterback, Jacob Conover, another guy who's gone to Arizona State. He's a Four-star, he's no longer there. So now you're down to most likely the third-string quarterback who was a former Boise State transfer and Cade Fennigan. So we'll see if uh, – I would imagine that BYU just leans on the rushing game here, try to keep SMU's offense on the sidelines, and SMU's run defense is poverty. So you would imagine BYU will be able to run the ball here. On the other side of the ball, I don't – like, BYU, they don't have a defensive coordinator now. They fired him and should have. They don't have any of their defensive – uh, some of their position coaches, they their strength on defense, and it's one of the worst defenses in the country, was their linebacker position. That's decimated now because their best player entered the transfer portal. So they're down all their starting linebackers. They get no pressure. They force no turnovers. They can't get off the field on third down. Uh, they're not, they don't have a defensive coordinator for this game. I love the hire, by the way, for next year, our Weaver State uh, head coach, who's going to be really aggressive, which they need. Because this D just sits back, drops eight. I assume that's what they're going to do here. SMU won't have the nation's leading receiver. And Rashi Rice is probably going to be a 1st round draft pick. But I imagine that SMU, with Tanner Mordecai and company, still should be able to move the ball against this awful, horrendous BYU defense that won't have its linebackers. I don't know. I imagine BYU, it's tough to know what you're going to get from this quarterback. But I imagine they come out and run the ball a ton. They should have success doing that. Maybe they try to shorten the game. Uh, Maybe, I don't know, it makes me sick to my stomach to think about even looking at an under with these two teams, uh, (laughs) knowing BYU's defense and SMU played a game that finished 77 to 63 in regulation. But, you know, no Rice, assuming no Hall, 65. My thinking is BYU is going to slow this down and run it a ton, maybe under. Uh, What do you see here?
3: How is this game being played at night and the Vegas bowl is not, I mean, this, by the fourth quarter, this game is going to be 29 degrees. Like it just, it, that doesn't make any sense to me, but yeah, that's
2: another, uh, another feather in the cap, maybe for the under.
3: Yeah. I, the bowl, these two defenses are the worst of all the bowl teams. BYU. So dead, bad. Yeah. BYU's dead last in finishing drives. SMU's bottom 10 defense and defensive havoc, tackling, finishing drives, so that's why Stuck is scared about taking an under. here. You have two teams that allow maximum amount of points once drives get past the forty yard line. Kalani Sataki, they, they, you know, they BYU fired their defensive coordinator. He took over defensive play calling after the Arkansas game. They did have a coup in their new defensive coordinator coming in from the uh, fantastic uh, FCS team that makes the playoffs every year. So that'll change next year. That'll be a part of the handicap next year. But for this game, BYU has given up at least 26 points, including Utah Tech, the old Dixie State. All their issues seem to come through the air. They give up 300 to Stanford, 300 to Utah Tech. Uh, Something in coverage was identified at half with Arkansas. And and this is why I say, like, I know they can be beat through the air, which should scare you with SMU in line, is because Arkansas identified something at half, came out, and KJ Jefferson threw the ball on first down every single snap in the second half. And they waxed BYU. So something is going on against the pass with BYU and SMU. Well, and
2: they get no pressure at whatsoever. And their own you know, the secondary is bad, and you get mm-hmm. no pressure. The only strength
3: of this team was their linebackers who are all out. <laughs> yeah. And then and then I flip over to the other side of the ball. I've got I've got problems with SMU too. I mean, you know. <sighs> The the prep well, for probably this, the worst run defense
2: in the in the field. Yeah.
3: But the prep for this bowl game has been minimal, at least if you listen to Rhett Lashley, who is really trying to balance uh, a lot of things going on here. He commented on his hectic workload from he's got to get stuff out of the portal. He has to go to these Texas high school football championship games because recruiting the state of Texas is the is the name of the game for his program, period. Uh, and so that doesn't leave a lot of time. And he he's mentioned we're not going to use all of our bowl practices. We're not going to be completely prepared for this. Uh, he's saying that this bowl game, just playing it, and this is what I thought was key in his in his in his uh, press conference. Just playing this game is a win win. It doesn't even matter what team wins. It's not going to dismiss what they did through the season, As, especially with us battling through so many injuries. And I'm just like listening to this, and I'm like. So Lashley saying it doesn't matter who wins it's just a, it's great that they both made it. It, it I'm like oh my gosh like where's the fire you know so the deciding difference in this game maybe BYU's defensive ability to get some stops eh, I don't know I mean it, you know I could try to you know put lipstick on a pig here but BYU's 34th and 43rd against rush pass explosives SMU's outside the top 100 against both the ground and the air explosives quarterback jaron hall is unlikely it's not that he's opting out for the nfl it's more that he hasn't practiced at all an insider within byu has said that it would be a miracle for jaron hall to play in this game and i I believe that's the reason Yeah, wide
2: receiver came out and said that kind of spilled the beans
3: yeah yeah so you and i are recording on tuesday and this thing rushed up to five and a half because of that news uh this really comes to which offense is more fluent efficient and gets their available yards and in the numbers, that's actually BYU. So I don't – I know even if Jaron Hall – But that's with
2: Jaron Hall. What do you think about the drop-off? Because it's now – you're going to the third string because the second string – and this is a true third string because the true second string, who was a four-star, has transferred.
3: Boy, it's tough. This is Red Lashley is a brand-new head coach. I mean, this is a, a lot coming at him. I'm not sure SMU is going to be prepared, and I don't know if I can put my money behind that. So I, I took BYU – most of these BYU players are pretty mature. Uh, there's not always a huge drop-off, unless it's maybe Zach Wilson. It's not usually a huge drop-off of players on this team, but I- I'm going to back BYU.
2: All right, let's move on to the final game on Saturday.
1: The
0: Frisco Bowl.
2: The Frisco Bowl in Frisco, Texas, 9.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN between North Texas and Boise State. Boise State, 11-point favorite here over under 57, 57 and a half. I think you might make a case for Boise, and I would agree maybe North Texas is overmatched here, but I'm actually going to make a case for the over, uh, which I still like. It's I bet it today, if you follow me on the Action over cap, I think it's taken some money since. But if you look at Boise State's overall defensive metrics, they I think they're, they look a little better against the pass. That's all North Texas wants to do than they actually are because – You know, they gave up 27, 28, 31, and 34 in four losses to UTEP, Fresno State with Jake Hayner, BYU, and Oregon State. In their nine wins, here are the passing offenses they faced. Air Force, UT Martin, New Mexico, San Diego State with Burmeister, Fresno State with Fife, Colorado State, Nevada, 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 Wyoming with a fourth-string quarterback who went three of 16 for 30 yards and three picks. And then Utah State and Cooper, like us, threw for 300 yards. So I think that they actually can be attacked. Their secondary is not fully healthy. They're missing some of their edge pieces. I think North Texas will be able to put up points here through the air. And, you know, this is, for what it's worth, this is uh, Seth Patrol's final game. He was fired, but he's going to coach the team. He's 0-7 in postseason games, 0-5 in bowls, 1-4 and against the spread. And on the other side of the ball, you know, Boise State's going to be able to run wild. This North Texas run day is so bad. And since Boise state made the quarterback change going with Taylor green, him, George Lonnie and company in this offensive line have been awesome. Derek Cutter's final game as well. I think both, you know, Seth is gonna be like, fuck it, go for fourth down. You're going to see all kinds of trick plays. Derek Cutter, before he retires, you're going to see all kinds of cool looking plays. This North Texas defense is bad. The only thing that worries me, North Texas didn't really face any defense with a pulse this year. Look at their schedule in the entire year, even out of conference. But I think that North Texas will be able to hit enough explosives, get into the 20s here, 24 to 28 points. And I think Boise State can get to the 40s. You, you look at, I think, a good comparison here for what you can maybe expect from Boise State with green, very mobile quarterback and fly. And then George Helani at running back is... North Texas already this year played... You know, they're bottom five nationally, both line yards and opportunity rate, which that's that's bad. Boise State's top 25 in both. Go back to another Mountain West team they played earlier this year, UNLV, who beat North Texas 58 to 27, ran for 365 yards. I just don't see how North Texas is going to stop Boise. What do you think here?
3: I was betting the over as you were going through, because I completely agree with you. Key number of 59 would try to get that or 58, 58 and a half. It's out there on the board. There's prime motivation here for Boise. Plenty of comments from head coach Andy Avalos about getting the bad taste of that Mountain West Conference championship out of their mouth after field goal after field goal after field goal and just some miscues there. So this was a desirable bowl game. Boise does recruit the state of Texas, so this a big trip for them. And if you didn't know, <laughs> the Broncos players, a lot of these guys on this roster have not played in a bowl. 2020 was a COVID non-participant. 2021 was the Arizona bowl getting canceled. So this is a really big deal for Boise. And I agree with you. They are going to put up a lion's share of points here. North Texas, uh, you know, I'm I'm reading, you know, Latrell. I'm, I'm reading interim coach, defensive coordinator. I, I think you're completely right. There's not going to be any fourth down punting here. There's going to be, you know, empty out the playbook, everything turned upside down. Uh, so they are, you know, they might be able to get some points up on the board. Boise did finish the season 11th in coverage, best in the nation in defensive passing success rate. So it doesn't really bode well for Austin and Ani, but at the same time, the, the they're going to be able to run, which North Texas has done in some games this year. Taylor Green, the Boise offense struggled, I said, in the Mountain West Conference championship game. Uh, but if you need a remedy to get better from having a stalled offense, Welcome to the North Texas defense, 127th in defensive havoc, 117th in defensive finishing drives. You're not going to get the ball taken away from you, and you're going to score a lot of points once you cross the 40. I bet the over with you. I'm on Boise. I bought Boise at five and a half. We have rocket shipped up to 10 and a half is the exact number that I have on this game. So I would play the side for light. I would take it every bull confidence pool, but I like your over more and more and more.
2: Yeah, Boise, I mean, their defensive pass metrics are great, but I, I do think Twino north Texas is able to put up points here because, look, the their nine wins, Boise State's nine wins, an FCS team, UT Martin, and then seven passing offenses that rank outside the top 100, and Fresno State when they had Fife. That's it. They did not beat a competent passing offense. The, yeah, That was nine of the 13 games. The four teams, and I'm talking about UTEP too, Past defense metrics are inflated. They're missing their a couple of their uh, edge rushers as well. So, yeah, I think North Texas in, a, in an effort game, they'll hit some, they have some really good receivers. They'll hit some explosives. And uh, I, I think this game could be like 42 to 24-ish, 42-28, somewhere in that ballpark. All right, uh, let's move on to the weekday.
0: The Myrtle Beach Bowl.
2: Monday Bowl, baby. The Myrtle Beach Bowl, always fun Monday afternoon. 230 Eastern Marshall taking on Yukon. Marshall's a 10-point favorite here in Conway, South Carolina, home of the Fighting Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Yukon 6 and 6 on the year, first time in a bowl in a while. They were one of my motivation monsters. I was pretty much going to play them as long as the number wasn't wildly out of whack no matter what. I played Yukon plus 10 and a half. Would play them at 10. Don't even care that much about the breakdown of the matchup. You can get into that if you want. I was playing <laughs> UConn no matter what. And uh, I got, I just wanted double digits here. They should really care. And, uh, you know, maybe Marshall's a little flat. You're playing UConn in a bowl. Uh, I know they were better down the stretch, but I think they had bigger dreams. So this could be a game where Marshall could out completely flat. And I think UConn obviously will want to be here. One of my motivational monsters, got a couple more that I'll talk about in Uh, upcoming bowl previews, but this was almost an auto play for me. Uh, Go
3: UConn! I'm so sad. I don't know if Mitchell's got any emo music or my beloved Colt. You're betting Marshall, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I hate it because listen, there's a lot of teams I wanted UConn to play in the postseason, and Marshall just wasn't one of them because UConn is such a heavy rush team, 66% of their snaps. Going to the ground, Victor Rosa, quarterback Zion Turner, who's not a thrower, he can run though, but that plays right into Marshall's hands. The herd is second in defensive finishing drives, third against the rush, twelfth in havoc. It's just a suffocating G five defense, uh, you know. And they have a better strength of record, and they have a better strength of schedule, so uh, can't argue with what they're bringing to the table here. And Marshall doesn't have the flashiest offense in the world, but they also have a heavy dose of rush coming from Kaylin LeBourne, who puts up hundred yards, almost every single game. The numbers are, you know, the numbers are really good for him. He's had 57 missed tackles, 37 runs of 10 plus that he's got almost three yards after contact. That's going to be rough for this Yukon defense that has struggled against the run 118th in defensive success rate. Um, It's just not good. Like, I mean, outside the top 100 stuff, rate. And, you know, I think the numbers should be more like 13. So I would buy the 10, 10 and a half. I get it. I get the motivational angle. Maybe Marshall shows up and they don't want to play, but you break it down from everything, offense, defense. This was a bad defense for UConn to be going up against and uh, you know, good luck to them. Uh, but you know, Marshall ended the season fifth in tackling. It's just not going to be a lot of big plays here for UConn. I don't expect them to move the chains much. So I hate it, but we are, you know, that, sorry, that's where the money's going to fall.
2: I, I know I said earlier in the podcast that I, I don't like betting unders and low totals. I actually might bet this under 41. Yeah, I can do that. This one is going to be gross. Too, but you're right. I mean, UConn stinks, to be honest. but uh, <laughs> I love right. them too. Let's move on to Tuesday, December 20th. Let's talk about the famous Idaho Potato Bowl.
0: The
1: famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Might as well face it,
0: you're addicted
1: to spuds.
2: San Jose State's a three-and-a-half point favorite here over Eastern Michigan. Uh, total sitting at 54 and a half. This game will be played in Boise, Idaho. 3-30 Eastern on Tuesday on ESPN. Uh, you know, San Jose State had a lot of promise early in the season. They looked great, especially that defense. And then they kind of just faded. They had a, a tragic death of one of their teammates. I don't know if that was correlated. They did kind of Clean it up and beat Hawaii. I mean, in their home season finale. But before then, I mean, you know, since that postponed game, they barely beat Nevada at home, barely beat Colorado State. Again, they were dominated statistically. They lost forty three to twenty seven to San Diego State. They lost to Utah State. And just things were not the same down the stretch. So I, I don't know what's going on with this team. Is this a chance for them to reset, or is it like right, now we're playing Eastern Michigan? Who cares? Chris Creighton, I highly respect the Eastern Michigan head coach i don't know this one's tough but probably side with the dog on the surface but in just how san jose state ended the season but i also in a way i'm like i was trying to avoid mac teams and which means i'll end up playing a bunch what do you see here
3: <laughs> uh yeah the potato bowl we're gonna get a little spuddy buddy going on here it, it's just a tough handicap with san jose state they didn't cover any of their last five games. You mentioned the death of their teammate in a car accident mid-October. They do have quarterback Siobhan Cordero, who's actually been stable. Like, when you go into the deep dive in the numbers, like, what is the problem with San Jose State? It's not been Siobhan Cordero. Uh, you know, he has just four fumbles for him this season. That is a huge upgrade from what he's done all the previous years at Hawaii. From a passing perspective, he maintained a great ratio from a big-time throw to a turnover-worthy play rate. This is the best TD-INT ratio of his career at 20-4. And you know San Jose State has just not been able to keep defenses out of their backfield, but they're going to get some relief with Eastern Michigan here. Eastern Michigan does not generate a pass rush; they're a 100- hundred. Well, just
2: one guy. Their their defense is one guy, Jose yeah. Ramirez, who's going to play in the NFL. That's yeah. it. Their defense is literally one guy.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're 106 in coverage. They're terrible in finishing drives. 129th. So the path is there for San Jose State to get off the Schneid here and, and try to get a win, but. You know, EMU is going to try to counter with Samson Evans carrying the ball. 22 TDs this season, but he also had 11 fumbles. It's been a consistent problem for Eastern Michigan. Spartans defense pretty lackluster in defending the pass, uh, but they've been really good in standard downs, particularly against the run. So uh, if they can get Eastern Michigan into long downs and distances, they should have some success here. And Taylor Powell, quarterback, he was he's on fire in the season. He had six TDs in the final two games against Kent State and Central Michigan say what you will about their defenses, but San Jose. State and he's the best better, better option. Like uh, he was hurt, but then they like benched him just, yeah. for,
2: but I'm, I'm, I think he is the much better option at quarterback. Uh,
3: I believe you're San Jose. going to win this game. I know I took them uh, in, in my pools. I do make the game three and a half at four. I know it's tight at four is when I start buying Eastern Michigan. And the reason is because first I can't handicap if San Jose, going to come out there. And I can't handicap that offensive line. It's just going to ole and let Eastern Michigan just run through the backfield. But at the same time, there's two things that bother me about taking San Jose State. (laughs) More things that bother me. One, Chris Creighton for Eastern Michigan is always in a one possession game. It seems like he's always covering. And two, 23 degrees and 20 mile an hour winds for these California kids. That makes me nervous. That makes me very nervous. Yeah, That's
2: regular Mac weather.
3: Yeah, that's regular Mac weather. That's that's Samson Evans weather carrying the ball. So um I am buying EMU at four and above. I would like points. If this thing seems great. I would like Eastern Michigan above that, below that, I think three and below, I, I'm on San Jose State.
2: Yeah, tough handicap. I might EMU might be one of my teams that throw my round, Robin. Just because if there is ever a candidate that might just not show up based on the end of their season, it would be San Jose State. All right, let's finish things up here. On Tuesday with uh, the RoofClaim.com, Boca Raton Bowl, RoofClaim.com, okay.
1: The Boca Raton Bowl. Every year, the Boca Raton
3: Raton Bowl stops this podcast so that we can find out what the hell the sponsor is. I always am like, is it Boca Raton or
2: Boca Raton? I think it's Raton, but my Delco accent that everyone makes fun of, I think I say Raton,
3: uh, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) You're down in Florida on vacation all the time. Just drive over to that part of the state and figure it out. But then I forget because my Delco <laughs> roots are just the way
2: I pronounce certain vowels. Uh this game actually to me is very similar to the one we just talked about in Eastern Michigan San Jose State. We have a Mac team. And look, I was looking to fade the Mac. Toledo's a four and a half point favorite here over Liberty. But then there's a team in Liberty that, you know, from a numbers perspective, I want to play Liberty. Yep. But I just like San Jose State, what what happened to Liberty? Now, Hugh Freeze is gone as well. He's been really successful in bowls against the spread, a really good game planner. He's not there. But Liberty, they beat Arkansas, and then they lose to UConn. Then they lose to Vate at home, and then they get drilled at home by New Mexico State, 49-14. to How did he go 49 points to New Mexico State? And now Freeze is gone, this team isn't really covered well in the market. It's hard to get really good info on what's going on with Liberty. So like my number says I should play Liberty here, assuming yeah. like they cared and, but then there's a Hugh Freeze angle and uh, maybe a candidate for round Robin. If, but I, what happened with Liberty and what is going on there? What do you see here?
3: I'm taking Liberty. I, I'm betting on Liberty here. Uh, I think the hate on Liberty has gone way too far. And I get it with that loss to New Mexico state and Hugh Freeze Getting booed off the field, to, you know, them tell, take the job, take the job. You know, this is the same team that just beat Arkansas a couple of weeks before. I mean, they're not completely horrible and they are one of the best Havoc teams in the nation. Defensive coordinator Josh Aldridge is going to take over as Enderham here. Uh, you can expect a better performance from the D with their defensive coordinator calling the plays, at least a return to normalcy, a, a fourth and havoc top 15 and success rate specifically Liberty was sixth and standard down success rate on defense. That means the flames sent a lot of teams to second and third down real quick. And this is the better third down team in this game. The flames finished top 20 here and is everyone playing for them? I can't get really good info. I, I haven't, I haven't, seen had, I haven't now. had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't been able to find anything. And I even dug on these guys before I decided that this is who I wanted to take in a bowl confidence pool and take everywhere. Uh, well, you know, I think I'm going to bet them too. I've been looking for MAC teams to fade. Yeah. I'm going to listen. It's a one game. I mean, you. This is college my numbers. Football. I have to do it too. So. But this is college football. We've seen teams get blown out by forty and then show up the next week and blow other teams out by forty. I mean, it. it, it they had a bad game, and Hugh Freeze gave up on the team, and the players didn't show up. It's a it's a story. It, it, Do so you I think they would have,
2: now that he's gone? It's like more of like, hey, we oh, will yeah. rally now.
3: And they love their defensive coordinator. Right? They, they are going to play for him. So when you go to the other side with Toledo, like Daquan Finn return in the MAC title championship game, full health, full mobility, 16 to 25 passing, a fumble, 91 yards on the ground. The offensive line is just terrible in blocking. It's good that he can move around because the offensive line is terrible at blocking. 116th in pass blocking, not much better in run blocking, 88th. And Liberty led the nation. Like I said this before with some other handicaps, Liberty led the nation in tackles for loss. They will be in the backfield on top of Daquan Finn a, a, the second we kick off in this game. So past that, let's go to the other side of the ball. Liberty has been struggling with health in their quarterbacks. There's three quarterbacks, Brewer. Uh, but the one you got to watch is Caden Salter. Caden Salter is the one that's the dual threat quarterback. Toledo really struggles with rush explosiveness. Now, Dayday Hunter isn't there, but Caden Salter, at quarterback, is enough. Like, that's enough for Toledo to have to handle on the ground. Uh, and I think he's going to do all the damage here. I'm betting Liberty. If I could find some Caden Salter props, I would hit those too. Uh, but uh, this is an upset that I love. All right,
2: there you have it. We do have one final order of business to get to, but that was 11 bowls broken down. First 11 bowls in uh, a little over an hour. That's the first of four bowl betting previews. We'll also have uh, some big bets on campus, live shows on Twitter. Make sure you stay tuned to our Twitter feeds for those. We'll have one, I believe uh, this upcoming Saturday or no, this upcoming Friday morning. Uh, We'll talk bowls that are uh, on Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, I believe. All right, before we get out of here, let's go three and out. One,
1: two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out.
2: Let's just get first get our favorite bet of this slate from these 11 out of the way. I'm going to go with the Boise-North Texas over. I think North Texas, you know, look, I think both teams are just going to play really loose here from you know, Derek Cutter's last game before retirement, the office coordinator for Boise State, Seth Vitrell's last game. figure you to see both teams play really loose. I think Boise's secondary is more vulnerable than the numbers suggest because they basically played nine teams incapable of throwing the ball. So give me the over there. Carl, what's your favorite bet of uh, this slate?
3: I'm going to go to the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl in SoFi. And SoFi is a big destination for Fresno State, who should be Washington State here. Uh, there's a lot of advantages on both sides of the ball, but you know, Washington state is, you know, losing two their two top targets on offense from a wide receiver perspective, two key linebackers here, lost their defensive coordinator, a lot of missing pieces coming into this bowl game. Uh, and you know, that's a lot of catch up that they're going to have to play, but Cam Ward, their quarterback does not take care of the ball whatsoever. And that's going to be trouble against a Fresno state team that has been excellent at havoc and taking the ball away from opponents. As for the offense, Jordan Mims has been tough to stop on the ground. Jake Hayner is playing at another level from a G5 perspective, and that's just going to be too much for this Washington State defense that, like I said, is already missing two key contributors, a linebacker. Uh, Fresno State all the way. Get those Southern California kids on that roster back home and supported by their fans and the, and the family. So uh, look look for the Bulldogs to pull it off here in uh, SoFi Stadium.
2: Yeah, I love that one. Air Raids historically have struggled in Bulls too with the break. They kind of lose their rhythm. And Fresno State's run defense is much worse than their past day. Doesn't really matter here. Washington State doesn't run the ball. So I think it's a really good matchup for Fresno State, Hayner, Cropper, and company in that offense. Uh with a Fresno State team that I think their defense really came on the end of the year. And their offenses metrics didn't have Jake Hayner. They had a two-star kid starting for half the season. So I think that they're undervalued in the market. I agree on Fresno. All right, let's move on to second down. Let's talk favorite. Let's do our money line underdogs. We crushed it this year on these.
1: It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Uh,
2: for the entire bowl season, I'm going to go with Liberty. You just talked about it. You kind of pushed me over the edge. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think they made what will we'll rally from freeze. I mean, they have lost to Vatek. lost to Vatek by one. They beat Arkansas. I think the market is overreacting to that one game. I was starting to as well, but I, I think that they'll be fine here. I don't see anybody out, and uh, I'm looking to fade the Mac, and no one has disappointed outright more than Toledo as a favorite over the past two years give me the flames where you going? entire bowl season
3: my favorite underdog bet of this bowl season is going to be texas tech in the texas bowl joey mcguire coming full circle recruiting the state coming down to take on this rebels team that is not the image of what lane kiffin wanted in this season being a heavy rush offense with kinshawn judkins that plays right in texas tech's hands what they do well on defense and from a quarterback position for the for the red raiders they're fine with tyler shuck with Baron Morton, if he's healthy, they have the better quarterbacks in this game. They have the better defense in this game. You know, the one area that Texas Tech struggles is coverage, and that's something that Ole Miss just cannot exploit here. Look for Texas Tech to get it done in the Texas Bowl as an underdog. All right, good stuff there. Let's go third down. Let's switch it up here. Let's talk college
2: world playoff. Not, look, we'll argue, I'm going to be arguing for TCU against your Michigan, which will be interesting, yeah. but we, we have a lot of time to go until that happens in a whole episode where we'll break down that game. But t- let's just talk from a market perspective. Michigan sitting at, what, seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Georgia sitting at a six-and-a-half-point favorite. So obviously right around the key number of seven. Just in your honest opinion and what you know of the market, say someone likes TCU. Should they hit that now? Should they wait? Say someone likes Georgia. I would think you obviously hit that now because, I mean, I don't think it's going to come down a ton. You don't want it to go to seven. If you like Ohio State... Do you think that breaks through seven? So just the two college playoff games, we are well, a couple weeks away, but they're both sitting around seven. So I want to get your thoughts on just from a pure market perspective, where you see both numbers going.
3: Well, the number is too high uh, in the peach bowl for Ohio state and Georgia. This number should be more around five for Ohio state, but the public perception is Ohio state is trash because of what happened in the second half against Michigan. And you know, granted, you can pass against that defense and get into the secondary. We saw that. We'll do a full game breakdown later, and Georgia's going to be able to do that. But Ohio State's going to be able to get into the <laughs> into the secondary of Georgia, too. And this is a game I can see back and forth, back and forth. I would not be surprised at all if Ohio State covers this game. I think six and a half is a little bit too high. If you want to buy it to seven, that's fine. Get it while it's cheap. I don't think this will close at seven. Any books that flash a seven, it'll be gone right away. It probably closes at six or five and a half. So if you do like Ohio State, maybe buy that up a seven or take the six and a half now. But this thing should settle at about five and a half.
2: Yeah, I'm waiting. To see. If I get a seven with Ohio State, I'll probably I'll take that. And my first inclination is over there. I mean, I think this, will, this is going to turn into a shootout. Absolutely. I'm with you. And then Michigan, TCU. I mean, it's hard to see this getting to 10, and it's hard to see it coming down to seven. So, like, it
3: probably just chills in there, yeah. in that range. Yeah, you're going to be in the dead zone. It seems like we have a semi-final game that's always in the dead zone, the seven and a half to nines. Uh, if you are if you are a buyer of TCU, you probably will get a nine at some point at some shop. Uh, seven and a half is maybe where it closes. Uh, you might have to do what I did, which was, you know, pony over uh, minus 120 in juice to get a seven on the Wolverines. You know, from a market perspective, I understand that this thing is going to float in the dead zone, and that's where it should be but I am having a severe issue making a case that TCU is going to be able to keep up in this game. We'll save it for our podcast later on. I suck. I I know that I know you like TCU. And for some reason I've been on this TCU train against all odds the entire season. And now I'm hopping off and I'm just finding too many inconsistencies in that offense against this defense. It's one of my highest bulk point totals in a bowl confidence pool is on Michigan.
2: We will argue about that later. I will make my case for TCU. But I actually, if you like TCU like me, I actually took eight. You can find an eight out there. Maybe some, it comes in and goes to 10. I don't know. But I think that there's less of a chance than that, than maybe some huge group loves TCU and then it goes to seven. So like, I just don't think there's that much risk. Like you, you would never want it to go to seven. And then you're like, damn, I missed over seven. All right. Like that'd be huge. So in my opinion, if you like TCU and there's an eight out there, I would take it. You do want that overtime eight. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right, that will do it for us. Bowl betting preview part one of the books. We'll be back on Monday morning. By the time you wake up, you will have the bowl betting preview part two for the next slate of bowl games. Thank you for tuning in as always. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review. Really help us out. Five-star review, I don't care what you say. They just really help us out. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. By the way, we'll do giveaways next bowl podcast. So leave that review. And if you're in there, you'll get some free stuff. But uh, it's time for us to get back to work and monitor all this bowl craziness. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Thanks, Colin, for joining me. Thanks to our audio and video teams on the back end. And most importantly, thanks to all of you for tuning in. It's been a great season, but let's finish up strong. Enjoy the bowls. Catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out.
0: It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful.